I really like going to other churches. And over summer, we got the privilege of going to some other churches. And for two reasons. I love seeing uh, the church universal. And I believe in the local church that uh, we are to be committed to a place and a people and uh, to pray for them, to want the best for them, to support the leadership of that, but also the church universal, that it's not just about us, it's about what's happening down the road and other places and other countries. And so I love um, getting around, having a look. And the second reason is um, I love seeing that um, they're not perfect either, and they make mistakes too. And we're in this church over summer, and one of the mistakes is a little typo actually, it's only one letter. And it was a song, and it was that song, old song, uh, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. And it goes like this. I turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonder. I'm available, Warren, for that. <laughs> full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. And yeah, it should have been grace. But the Mr. the G. <laughs> so it's in light of his glory and race. <laughs> the big G. And this message is called the big G. And that turns grace into race. That turned grace into race. And that missed the big G. And the big G changes everything. And if you think about our last decade as a Western culture, we've lost the big G. We've lost the big G. And what has happened, and the social commentators have said this uh, to us, we have retribalized as Western culture. We have formed little silos of people, and uh, we, we get together of those that look the same, talk the same, like the same food, uh, vote the same, and we have joined together, and we don't mind demonizing those that are different. They call it retribalization, and it's a strange thing in the 21st century, but it's happened, and it's still happening. We've turned... Uh, grace into race. We've retribalized. People have divided themselves into groups of their crew. Same demographic, educational background, look, talk, eat, vote, the same. Yeah. Retribalization. And Jesus saw. The potential of this in all of us 2,000 years ago. Luke 14, verse 12 and following. And he said this thing as he went to a party. When you go to a party, he did what we all do. You have a look around to see who's there. And you know, most of the time, it's predictable. If you know the host, you know who's going to be there, right? Whatever the party is. Oh, yeah. It's that. It's that crew. It's them. That happens. And most of the time, it's pretty darn predictable. Jesus was invited to a party. 
And it was the crew. They were there. They were like him. And Jesus said this. When you go to a luncheon or a dinner, you, you don't invite your crew. This is, but you, this is what you do. You invite your crew, your friends, your relatives, and neighbors. And Jesus suggests this. When you have a party or a barbecue or you go camping or go to the beach, why not invite those that are not your crew? Those that are not your crew, maybe different color, age, stage, different political parties, socioeconomic status, like different sports and hobbies. And it's going to be kind of awkward, and they may not invite you back, but you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous because the righteous break out of their crew because the crew is really all about you. But when you invite people that are not like you, it's about them and it's about him. And if you think inviting your crew is not a problem, you think about Jesus when Jesus got the most upset. This is not the Jesus with the lamb around his neck. This is the angry Jesus. When did Jesus get most upset? In the temple. Really upset. Made himself a whip. Turned over the tent, uh, the tables. Chased people out. Says this in Mark 11, also the other three Gospels. He says this, My house will be called a house of prayer for all. Nations. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. All crews, not just the ones like you. Kakia tokufari, hefari inoi monga toiwi katoa. For all nations. And toiwi, used by the New Zealand translators, it, uh, the word actually means strangers. My house will be a house of prayer for all strangers. The original Greek word is ethnison, where, uh, like ethnos. And um, nations there is not political nations, it's ethnic nations. Strangers, ethnic varieties. Hefari inoi monga tauri katoa. And so as disciples of Jesus, we look at things not from the perspective of race, not my tribe, my crew, my demographic, but from the perspective of grace. The big G is there. From the perspective of being part of a covenant community that know what it is to have the promise of God, the forgiveness of God, the hope of God, the unrelenting love of God. It's about grace. Not race. Grace means God's unmerited generosity to us. And it culminates in the person of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. We're going to celebrate that later. And grace of God changes the way we look at all things. And Jesus said, end of the book, Behold, I make all things new. Grace makes all all things new. We look at all things in a new way. 
Last three weeks, we looked at who Jesus is. And today, we're going to look at who we are. Who we are. Let's pray. Lord, as we continue to open up your word today, that you would speak to us in whatever way you will. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Who are we? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, to proclaim the virtues of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Kokoto ia, he iwi furifuri, he tohu ngā tanga kingi, he iwi tapu, he iwi kōariro pū mai mate atua, he whakapuaki ngā pai o te kaikaranga i a koutou, i roto i te pauri ki tōna marama whakamihoro. Miharo. You are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. In other words, people of a divine calling, divine promise, a covenant people, people of a treaty, people in a treaty-type relationship with God, covenant people. Covenants and treaties are actually taken really seriously in the Bible. Treaty is a taken really seriously in the Bible. Amos chapter 1 verse 9. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Tyre, even for four, for four, I will not relent because you sold whole communities of captives to Eden, disregarding a treaty of brotherhood. Really, really, really interesting broken treaty in the Bible is found in the Old Testament. Uh, Joshua 9. Joshua and the Israelites, they inhabit the promised land. Moses had brought them there. Moses doesn't go in, but Joshua takes the people into the promised land. And once Joshua enters the land and has some military success, some very near neighbors, they pretend they're not near neighbors, and they dress up in rough clothes like they come from a long way away, and they say, "Um, Joshua, make a treaty with us. And Joshua doesn't inquire of the Lord, but he thinks they're from a long way away, and he does. He makes a treaty, roughly uh, 1400 BC. Fast forward 400 years, time of King David, and there's a famine in the land. David seeks the Lord and asks, why? Why is this famine here? And the Lord responds, he replies, and he says, because of the king before you, Saul. And he says this, In his zeal for Israel, in his zeal for his tribe, he breaks that treaty with the Gibeonites that Joshua had signed roughly 400 years previous. And David says, what what shall we do? And they say, give us seven of Saul's descendants. They get seven. They impale them on a hill called Jabir. And the famine stops. Rain falls after three years of famine. See, treaties are important to God. Even imperfect, blood-soaked, broken treaties. They're important to God. And we are a treaty people. We're a covenant people. That's who we are. We're not consumer people. We're not about consuming the goodies, getting the stuff. 
You know, consumer people tend actually to use people. It turns people into objects. Amos says, you sold whole communities into slavehood. But we're not consumer people, we're covenant people. In the desert, the people of God, they keep getting that mixed up. Exodus 16, they come, they complain to Moses, and they say, back in Egypt, we had pots of meat. Numbers 11, we remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and garlic. Woo. Consumers. We're not consumers, we're covenanters. And in the desert, the people of God kept getting that mixed up. They were not consumers. They're supposed to be covenanters. And so God had to keep reminding of what they were. Exodus 16, verse 4. Exodus 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I'll test them and see whether they will follow my instructions on the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days so Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites in the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him who are we says Moses and Aaron that you should grumble against us. Moses also said, You know it was the Lord when he you know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat in the evening and all the bread you wanted in the morning. Because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Who are we? Who are we? asked Moses and Aaron. You're not consumers, we are not your caterers. You're meant to be covenanters, and we're mere conduits of the Lord. We're here to help that connection of the Lord's called-out people and himself in a covenant relationship. We're not caterers providing yum-yums for you. And actually, that can still happen, eh? Christian leadership can be regarded as caterers of religious yum-yums for the consumers. But actually... Biblically, when you look at it, Christian leadership is more akin to a trainer than a, tr- than a caterer. Ephesians 4.12, the gifts were given to prepare God's people for works of service. I don't think this is a slide. Um, the gifts were given, Ephesians 4.12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's why the gifts were given not as yum-yums, but to prepare God's people for um, works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We're not caterers. We're not caterers. We're covenanters. So how does that relate to uh, 2021 Aotearoa, 181 years after the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi? You know, Back then, both parties were pretty familiar with treaties and covenants. Māori had gone through this incredible uh, short period of Christian conversion. I remember I did history. My first degree was history. And I remember reading a journal of a missionary, really, and he was um, 
really down, depressed. And and he wrote this, I think this place is going to be like the Muslim lands. There will be no turning to Jesus. That's what he thought. Uh, Late 1820s, that began to change. And um, I think the first baptism recorded was about 1825. And then um, there was this incredible switch that the secular historians do not understand. They, they don't understand why it was so and, and powerful. But it was the Lord. Uh, but in, um, so, as people in the far north came to the Lord, uh, Ngāpui, they released their slaves of other tribes. The slaves would come down, come back to other lands, to the back, back home, um, including the east coast. Um, and one of them from the East Coast, his name was Piripi Tomata Akura, he, came, he started preaching. Uh, Ngāti Tō were getting ready to go to... Uh, Ngāti Tō. Um, Ngāti Tō is from Wellington. Here, Ngāti Pūrō, were getting ready to go to war against Bay of Pliny. Be careful. And, <laughs> and uh, Tomata Akura said... Um, he tried to stop them, but he said, OK, if we're going to go to war... We're going to fight in a Christian way. There will be no eating of our enemies. We won't fight on Sunday and some other things. And um, they say that the chiefs that obeyed that uh, were not killed. And those that didn't were killed. Uh, miraculous. That helped turn uh, Ngāti Pūrō to Jesus. And the other thing, a big, really big thing was Utu. That previous to that, um, Utu of revenge was so prevalent, they, the, the tribes felt there was no way out of it. And then this new power, this new message came that you actually, you could forgive your enemies, and your enemies could become your brothers. Uh, there, was, there was so much turning to the Christian faith, they say a Māori would walk three days to try and find the Bible. Uh, they say that the literacy of Māori population was greater than Pākehā literacy in the 1830s. The whalers and sealers, sometimes some of the signers, Pākehā signers, would do an X with their name where Māori would uh, sign their name. And so um, that led on to the treaty. Missionaries were right at the front of it. Um, Christians were right at the front of it. Māori Christians right at the front of it. Monty Suta, historian here, said that those that wouldn't, uh, didn't have Bible, couldn't get a Bible, they would get big leaves and come to church uh, as if they were Bibles. <clears throat> and us, as Bible-believing Christians, we are actually spiritual descendants of the creators and signatories of the Treaty of Waitangi. That is us. That, if, a, if a treaty belongs to anyone, it belongs to us. Because we're people of the covenant. We are people of the treaty. We're people of the word of God. We're people of the spirit of God. If anyone, it belongs to us. We get it. So what did the treaty say? We'll throw up that. Uh, the meaning of the English treaty version was not exactly the same as the meaning of the Maori translation. Anyone who's learned other languages will know that. It's, it's, uh, you don't always get word for word. Article 1, in Māori it gave Queen Victoria 
governance over the land, while in English it gave her sovereignty over the land, which is a stronger term. Article 2, the Māori version guaranteed chiefs uh, to tino rangatira tanga, chieftainship over their lands, villages and treasured things. It also gave the Crown a right to deal with Māori in buying land. The English version gave chiefs exclusive undisturbed possession of lands, forests, fisheries and other property. also gave the Crown an exclusive right to deal with Māori over buying land. If you want to know more, um, Siosi, big guy Siosi who comes here, uh, he's a treaty lawyer I think, he'll be able to put you right. Um, Article 3, both versions gave Māori the Queen's protection and the rights of British subjects. It's often talked about as the three P's to get your head around it. The three P's as the principles of the treaty. Partnership, participation and protection. And this underpins the government and Māori uh, under the Treaty of Waitangi. It's, it's about covenant. Covenant as a Hebrew word is berit, and it has these concepts in it of promise. It's a divine promise from God. Uh, obedience, people who obey God. So even though God makes the covenant, the people are expected to obey it. And community, berit, covenant is, not made, is made with a people, with a people, not individuals. So as people of covenant, we deeply understand a treaty of all people. We get it. And covenant is not just horizontal, it's a triangle. It's a divine triangle. You know, berit is actually a word used for marriage as well. God, our fellow man. Mark 12, 30, 31. Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. So there's that horror of the seven sacrificed by David to allow the rain to fall after three years. Saul's descendants impaled on the hill Jabia. And then there's the other covenant, the horror of Jesus, Golgotha, another hill. Blood again to pay for us, for our sin, to change us. And so for us, we see all things with the big G, not in terms of race not in terms of our crew, our tribe, but in terms of grace. Grace, through the eyes of grace, he makes all things new. People of the covenant, of grace, we've been shown unmerited generosity. We are people of the covenant, people of a divine triangle, loving God with all our hearts, minds, souls, spirit and loving our neighbours as ourselves. And we're going to celebrate that now with communion.
pray to finish, come up or pray where you are, whatever you are. Thank you for these people, Lord. Thank you for your called out people. I want to bless them today. We bless them today in your mighty name. Blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon you. Yes, yeah, bless them, Lord, bless them, bless your people, yeah.